May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Now I know that this church is St. Paul's, but I gotta tell you guys, Paul is the worst. <laughs> he is not a qualified evangelist, a full-blown sinner, and the last person on the planet who should be preaching the good news to anyone. Look at the language he uses in his own words. Paul was convinced that I ought to do many things against the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul locked up Jesus' followers in prison. He enthusiastically voted yes to condemn them to death. He often visited all the synagogues to punish them and chased them to the ends of the earth, blinded by rage. He was like a dog with a bone. <laughs> Paul was a murderer and a persecutor who hid behind a piece of paper from the chief priests saying it was okay for him to go on this rampage. Paul knew better. He read and he studied Torah. He knew the commandment that said, thou shalt not kill, and that his job as a good Jew in the world was to repair the brokenness around him not running after the folks that he disagreed with. Yet he did it anyway. Why? Why would he do this? The only explanation that makes any sense to me is that Paul, the great saint for whom this and many congregations are named, that Paul was riddled with sin. His soul was just rotten to the core. Paul went far beyond human failings and making mistakes. This is a man who systematically journeyed beyond his country's borders to pursue and put to death innocent people. And yet, on the road to Damascus, that happened. That stained glass window in the back of our church tells the story of the blinding light that came to Paul and the conversion that he had from one life to another. So what is the first thing that Paul does when he gets this extraordinary commission from God, from Jesus? In Galatians, he writes, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, but I went away at once. Now, there are some discrepancies about where exactly he went and in what order, but what matters is this. He went away at once. He started preaching the gospel without hesitation. He left his nets right where they were, and he went to fish for people. Notice that he did not pause to ask anyone for permission to act on his divine mission. Just imagine if he had gone to Jerusalem and the disciples happened to be brave enough to meet with him and he happened to ask them if they were cool with him joining them to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and totally not because he secretly wanted to kill everyone. <laughs> the disciples would have told him to drop dead. 
used a murderous, raging sinner to convince an untold number of people that God loved them. God used an unlovable, unforgivable guy to share a message that defies time, space, and generations. And we're too timid to talk to people about Jesus. This persecutor of the church traveled over 10,000 miles on foot to plant and strengthen the very churches that he sought to eviscerate at one time. And yet, in our time and place, we're too shy to travel across the lawn to invite our neighbors to church. You know, today during our annual meeting, you're going to hear about the 2020 budget. And it's going to leave us all a little breathless. Breathless with anticipation and excitement over tackling a challenge, I hope. But let me stop you before anyone suggests a new program or a new strategy to grow the church in order to make up our budget shortfall. As your rector, I refuse to help you grow the church because you're scared about money. I won't do it. I refuse to help you grow the church because the millennials just aren't coming to church and because Northgate is stealing all of our members because they've got more money. I'm here, called by all of you to St. Paul's, because the world needs Jesus. Because Benicia needs Jesus. Vallejo needs Jesus. The whole world needs Jesus and needs Jesus now. Because the wretched sinfulness of Paul's past life is still around us. It's been passed through the generations and we can see it every single day. And the world needs that powerful, blinding love and light of Christ so urgently that there is no time to waste. So drop your nets, everyone. Now. You do not need permission to proclaim the gospel. If you have ever had a spiritual experience at this church, you are hereby qualified to share that with someone else. If Jesus has ever touched your heart in any way, you have good news that must be sung. No one, not me, not the bishop, not some expert peddling the latest evangelism program can ordain or train you enough to declare you ready to go out and grow the church without offending anyone. <laughs> so you might as well be brave. You might as well talk about Jesus at a cocktail party. Let's make that guy proud. And remember, friends, you will never convince someone to come to church just by saying, hey, drop your nets and follow me. You are not Jesus. <laughs> Sorry to say. But maybe, just maybe, if you have a personal story 
of Christ's redeeming love in your life, blinding you to the goodness of God. If you have a story like that in your life that is at the ready to share, whenever you encounter someone's pain or grief or suffering, you will have a gift to offer. You will have good news to share. You will have a little light to shine in the darkness. So no, you do not need permission to proclaim the gospel. Turns out, you are an expert, in fact. All you need is bravery. You need to be willing to push past the small talk at parties and over the neighbor's fences and ask them about the things that really matter. Ask them about things like hope and joy, love and peace. Ask people how they're doing, really doing, and stick around long enough to hear the answer. May God use us as a light to the nations. And may God blind us with that incredible light of Christ so that we might be brave enough to walk 10,000 miles to share this love. May God give us his blessing and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe of him. Amen. Amen.